Genre. Welcome to Disney Animation Minute Essentials, where we are diving into Disney's The Little Mermaid one minute at a time. I'm Andrew Dorowski. And I'm Kestra Dorowski. We are discussing minute number three, which begins with a sailor continuing his sentence from before, saying, down in the depths of the ocean they live, and ends with a little fish swimming past a whale's eye. Minute three of The Little Mermaid features a fish escaping from the sailors and relievedly swimming through the ocean past other sea creatures. Title cards, beginning with Walt Disney Pictures Presents The Little Mermaid, and the credits for voice talents and songs. Yes. Minute three, Wednesday. Yes. Halfway through the first week. Only 17, 16 more to go. Something like that. <laughs> um. So the fish... That we were talking about this, yesterday. This, I'd say a salmon-colored fish, but not a salmon. Right. Um, he... He slides out... He slides out of the sailor's hand, hand. and he, slaps Grimsby with his tail mm-hmm. across the face. That is that is how I would interpret the scene. But if he's dead... He, I don't think it was ever dead. Okay. I think it just looked dead from... I'm, I'm guessing it was different animators for different shots, mm-hmm. different... Um, distances of the shot and one of them didn't need the fish to be lively that's possible that's very possible but then he dives back into the ocean and he lets out a sigh of relief yes i'm not gonna be dead let's add a lot of bubbles with this sigh which this is the first real indication that we are dealing with a animals have human emotions kind of movie yes Speaking of bubbles. My bubbles. <laughs> no. Wrong wrong movie. Wrong fish. <laughs> uh, so there were millions of bubbles for this whole film. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, a big portion of it takes place underwater or around water. So there needs to be bubbles. And the animators wanted, or the directors wanted, all of the bubbles to be hand-drawn. So no bubbles were Xeroxed. That's very difficult. Yes. For this to take place. That's a lot of bubbles. They couldn't they couldn't have their main animators working on the bubbles because no. that would just take so much extra time and everything. So they sent the the job They um, outsourced. Yes. To Pacific Rim Productions in Beijing. Not associated with the Pacific Rim films, I believe. No. Um, but around this time... It, uh, I mean, this was the mid to late 80s. Yes. There there was the Tiananmen... Tiananmen Square. Tiananmen Square. And that caused it to be delayed. And there caused to, there to be a delay in them getting their bubbles as well. Um, so the production of The Little Mermaid was delayed... As a result of Tiananmen Square and Bubbles. Yes. Or the relationship between Tiananmen Square and Bubbles that had been outsourced to China. But eventually they got them, if not all of them were done in Beijing, uh, the majority were done by, because it was a a bunch of students that were doing it as well. I'd say it's, it's fairly common in the 80s and 90s for animation tasks to be outsourced to Asia. I know... 
in things like um, Batman the Animated Series, in Justice League, and things like that, they typically outsource, I think, to Korea um, to to get a lot of the, the in-between animation done. The Basically, it's the grunt work of, of the animation. They would outsource to foreign countries so that they could get it basically, I mean, the same reason anyone outsources anything, to get it less expensively than it can be done uh, in the United States. <laughs> in, um, there's actually a story for uh, a Batman and Superman crossover episode where there's a scene, Superman uh, breaks a hole in the roof of the building and flies out. And then the animators in, I think it was Korea, had animated uh, Batman flying out behind him. And so the American crew who had written everything, they're, wait, guys, like, we sent you storyboards and everything, but why is Batman flying? <laughs> and the animators and the translator talked for a second and they, they had to have like a little conversation. And then the translator said, because he wears a cape. <laughs> and so like culturally for, for the animators, the, the people doing all of this in between uh, animation cell work, culturally they understood you know characters with capes they have capes because they fly capes were a signifier a signifier of the ability to fly for whatever reason and so (laughs) then the american ones is like okay well even though he has a cape he he can't fly so we have to like fix that and it's like okay you know it's just a confusion thing but it, it was this funny moment where even though these you know were animators working on these cells for superhero tv shows that you know, I think they had been working on them for some time, unless it was a new company. Um, there was still a confusion about why one character with a cape is able to fly and one character with a cape is not able to fly. And so there's some some fun things that happen with this sort of outsourcing and the, the processes that come. It's not exactly comparable to um, Tiananmen Square and Bubbles for, for Little Mermaid, but it's, it's similar and related because of... I mean, it's a lot of work for the animators to do all of that individual cell work or, or even just the, um, the paper drafting for animation. And if you can outsource some of that work, it cuts down the costs and studios need to cut down the costs. Especially if you're going to hand draw each single millions of bubbles. Yes. (laughs) It's a lot of bubbles. I just have to say, Mm -hmm. but, um, I mean, that's the main note I have for this minute. The other thing I noticed so when the fish drops down, I think is when it's most pronounced and it kind of eases throughout this minute. There is some sort of effect. Of, it's the, the distortion of water, which you see I definitely when the fish first drops down in size, it's, it's bubbles of relief. Um, but throughout this minute, you get this, this wavy, shimmery, almost hazy distortion, which looks very much like water. And I don't know exactly if, it is, in fact, just filmed through water or something, which is a possibility. I couldn't find anything. I did not research for a long time to figure this one out. I couldn't find anything on how they did it. But it's it's something we've kind of seen before. Uh, Snow White had water effects in the Wishing Well and in a few other places. But this is used fairly heavily. But I think they use it the most heavily right here in this minute and then it eases up so that it's not a constant it'd be kind of frustrating to try and watch half of this film underwater with ariel and flounder and sebastian with this layer of water distorting everything constantly definitely i'm glad that they ease up on it 
I also like that they do start with it and kind of establish this is underwater. We know what underwater looks like. So we are showing you that. And then they kind of throughout this minute, I think they just ease it out, ease it out. And I think they use it a bit throughout the movie, but they definitely phase it out. So it kind of feels like your eyes just adjusted to it. Yeah. But really, I think they've removed it so that it's not as difficult to to watch. Probably. I I mean, through all all my research, too, I didn't see anything that would talk about that. But I wish I I had. Yeah, there's a good commentary on this um, on on this copy. So maybe we'll watch that again and see if they mention it. There's a lot of things that I know you, you wrote down from that commentary. Yes. Because it's so great. And I just don't know if there's um, actually a good explanation for it um, anywhere. Because whenever I tried to research it, things about the Little Mermaid and water and filming with water tend to bring up live action stuff or how they do water effects for the Broadway show. I'm like, I want to know about the, the movie. animation. The movie. I know it's almost 30 years old, but I yeah, need the internet to provide right. my answers. That's why I also wish that we had a book like the. Like, like Snow White and Seven Dwarfs, the Creation of Classic. <laughs> but we don't, so we have to manage the best we can. Yes. So the fish lands, we get the shimmery water, he starts swimming. Starts. And we pretty much track with this fish throughout the whole minute mm-hmm. until tomorrow. Yeah. And then he's pretty much gone. Yes. Sort of a shame. It's a bit of a shame. I wish we, we got more of him and, and like got to know, maybe he was a friend of Ariel's or something, you know. But, we know Ariel's friends. <laughs> but it as he's traveling, we see all these different sea creatures. And seascapes. I like it. It's really cool. And that's that's where the bright colors start coming in. Pretty much immediately. Mm-hmm. They do... I don't know if those are... Uh, anemones, I think they are. I, I think um, that they kind are of they as the fish swims by, they they tuck themselves into some coral and then they pop back out. Very bright colors, bright yellows and blues yes. and oranges. Yes, and as he's swimming past all these other fish and creatures, uh, it has the title cards mm-hmm. popping and we up. Start so with Walt, Walt Disney, Disney Pictures, Pictures presents, presents, and then it has. The Little Mermaid. Which does a, a shimmery thing and then flattens out completely. Like, yes. It, it starts like, it's shimmering in like it's under the water and then it's just, it, it goes completely flat like it's not even um, part of the film the that's film. going on yeah. behind it. Yeah. And it comes in in front of the, the shimmery effect. And I think that might be the when it really transitions, the, the shimmering really starts to fall away yeah. and things smooth out a bit. Mm-hmm. And then it has the voice talents of, and it only lists 10 mm-hmm. of the tw- 13 uh, voice actors. You guys could fit those last three in. Uh, but so it has everyone except the voice of Carlotta, the voice of the seahorse Harold, and the voice of Max. I like Harold. Max, okay, I would not have thought about Max. Um is Carlotta she's, someone at the like the washing station? One of the women she's washing clothes. The, the one that yells at Chef Louis, um, and she's, she's like serving the, the people. Most and everything. Present of those yes. those women. Yes, that's a shame. The others, I don't I, know I if they some are incidental ones that because like like there's a um, there's a frog that sings later. I think. Yeah, I don't know. I don't like as I was looking through. IMDb and 
and online at other websites. Uh, I did not see a full list of all the voices. I think some of them were uncredited or did not say that they voiced this character. They were just part of the... Incidental voices. Yes. That but, sort of thing's fairly common, especially um, having a, a handful of uncredited. But I wanted to mention that the first one listed, the first name listed, Rene Aubergenois. Aubergenois? That sounds... He he's the voice of Chef Louis, and he's the first one listed. You know, negotiations. That's all <laughs> I can say. I don't know. How, I mean, it's a big step up from Snow White, which did not list any voice talent. Right. And this one now lists them first yes. after the, the title. Yes. So it's a, a different world where certain talents have um, gained a different kind of value. Yeah. Um, it, But we, we get the, we'll say the top 10. I'm, I'm, Sad about the seahorse because I think that seahorse is fantastic. His his modulated <laughs> voice. That's my my imitation. How did I do? Okay. All right. Well, I still we'll love see. you. Okay. I didn't know that was a risk. <laughs> well, I I just wanted to make sure that wasn't a risk. For uh, what Harold? It's the seahorse. Uh, the seahorse. The seahorse? The seahorse Harold. So, like, Herald. he's, like, the heralder oh, per person. Oh, that's spelled like that, not like Harold. the name. No. Oh, okay. Got it. So, maybe because he didn't have a name, maybe it was only named characters. But Carlotta. Except Carlotta. And Max. Well, okay, you're right. That's not fair. mm I have no explanation. mm And then we also get the music credits. Is it just songs by, or does it also include the score in this one? It just says songs by, but it says... So score is tomorrow. The score was listed on its own card. It did? Mm-hmm. But it was Alan Menken, score by Alan Menken. That, but oh. that might be later this week or, or I don't, something. I don't remember. But it, it says songs by and it says Howard Ashman, Ashman and, and Alan Menken. Menken. There was also producers, but that was maybe tomorrow. But that's tomorrow. Okay. Then I think... I would guess they would have done the score right after the music by. Probably. Okay, so we have we have the songs. Howard Ashman, Alan Menken. Great job, guys. Did they win anything for the, the music in this? Or did you save that for... Are you saving that for when the music itself comes up? I, I will tell you that it did win. Because I know one of the reasons this was successful was not just, like, in theaters, people enjoyed seeing it and people bought VHS copies, which is another reason that the Renaissance was what it was, was the the prevalence of VCRs and VHS and, and the ability to buy things to watch at home. Right. So it was good timing to have things like this, but it also was successful in awards season. Yes. Uh, so it did win uh, two Oscars, one for best song and one for best score, but I will not um, tell you the best song until the song comes up. Okay, but the score is just generally throughout the whole thing. Yes. Most of the songs, uh, I think, are mimicked in the score, at least at some point. Like, this is pretty much an overture that right. we're getting through this sequence. You hear bits of Part of Your World. I don't know if we hear bits mm -hmm. of... Actually, this might mostly only reference Part of Your World throughout this section of the score. It I think so. But I'm sure that Kiss the Girl and Under the Sea, Under the sea and Poor Unfortunate, poor unfortunate souls. souls get um, 
get their their Moment. quotations in the score. Yeah. So to speak. Yeah. So we'll we'll keep tabs on that as we continue watching to see if it shows up. Other than those whales look great, um, <laughs> this week is music and credits. We don't have any story content. And aside from being underwater... You mean this minute? Yes, this minute. You said minute. this week. <laughs> this minute, not this week. Uh, this minute, uh, it's it's just the credits and, and music. We don't have story moments and we don't have... Uh, even, uh, aside from being underwater, uh, interesting camera movements for the most part. So, it's a short one today. We'll be back. Are you all done? With I'm, I'm all done. That's all we have for you today. We are part of the Dueling Genre Network. You can find us and many other podcasts at DuelingGenre.com. There you will also find a link to a Patreon page where you can support all Dueling Genre productions. We are also on Twitter and Instagram at DizMinute, on email as DisneyAnimationMinute at gmail.com, and on Facebook at the Disney Animation Minute Secret Essential Listener Society or Damsels Group. Until next time, thank you for making us part of your world. Bye.